Nona Nazi Luftballons fliegen weg zum Horizont. Oh no, I can't remember anymore. Well, I need to start this particular episode with some breaking news. Um, you might remember that we were ruminating on whether uh, Jack D's uh, name was, in fact, a stage name, because uh, I had written this article about his band Greek Art that were uh, at Montgomery School in Winchester. Mm-hmm. And I was looking back over it, and I noticed that I'd uh, listed him as being called Jack Dean. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was speculating as to whether he might have changed his name from Dean to D uh, because he needed a, a stage name. Anyway, so you highly uh, sensibly recommended me to contact uh, Brian Hayward, the guitar maker, who yeah. uh, is was in that band. Mm-hmm. And he uh, revealed to my astonishment that we were both correct because... His real name is James D. James D. D double E. So he changed the James. He went from James to Jack to be famous. Uh, Well, no, because according to Brian, uh, he changed his name from James to Jack because he thought it was cooler and he was one of the sort of uh, wimps and he was uh, sort of scared of the hard guys. And he thought if he changed the name to Jack, it would sound a bit, bit sort of rougher. A bit more Stanmore. Yeah. What, did he? Um, <laughs> I didn't did, say that. <laughs> I didn't have to. No, you used uh, to live there. You can get away with saying that. Yeah. Did he, did, did he do that at school then? Did yes, he, apparently he did it at school uh, in order to uh, in order to make himself sound uh, not quite as wimpy as he perceived James to be. But the point that I was going to make was that, of course, if he was called, if I'd been right about the D, the Dean, yeah. uh, maybe he would have then ended up being called James Dean, which, of course, would have been the coolest name you could possibly have. Yeah, if you'd got the, yeah, the original and the mistake together, mm. that would have, that yeah, that would have worked well. Well, that's but, interesting because I didn't. Yeah, I, yeah I, I just fascinate. I'd like to know how he did that. Was he just in geography one day and then just started turning around to people and saying, "By the way, it's Jack from now on. It's not James anymore. It's Jack." And Brian's like going, "James, can you pass the pencil?" And he's saying, "It's Jack. It's Jack." <laughs> it, well, I sort of think I could see happening in Breaking Bad or something. Somebody sort of just changing their name on a whim because they they wanted to appear more sort of. Uh, Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you, I mean, you. Does any does anybody call you Ollie? Uh, nobody calls me Ollie. Nobody's allowed to call me Ollie. People have tried, mm. and uh, you know they've mostly met a, a grisly death because uh, I, I don't tolerate it or accept it. Uh, and I do rather, as you know, I'm not the world's most intimidating person, but I definitely intimidate people if they try and call me Ollie because I tell them to desist. I don't like it. Uh, and um, I can't explain why. You should but... actually carry around a cease and desist letter, <laughs> which is pre-printed yes. out. And if anybody calls you it, just like hand it over and say, you've been served. Yes, I'll wave it in their And then face. just walk off and they have to read it. And, and realise that if they use it again, there's going to be certain financial 
you know, penalties that they're going to have to pay or there, just buy, buy you beer or something. There will be consequences, yes. Yeah. I mean, my, my name is Oliver, not because uh, I was christened uh, under the now popular name Oliver, but when I was uh, a child, um, I was in fact christened after um, an old family name, an old surname uh, from a couple of generations ago on my father's side, the Oliver family. So it wasn't anything to do with um, being called what is now currently the number one popular boy's name uh, in the UK. But in fact, for most of my life, and certainly when I, when I was young, uh, there were no other Olivers anywhere. And uh, right. so if I ever heard anybody calling Oliver, it was either um, me or, or there was one occasion where there were some neighbours who had a dog called Oliver. And so I would turn around if I heard anyone saying, Oliver! Um, but generally, nowadays, if I walk up down the high street, uh, I hear every few yards somebody saying Oliver to some child. And I turn around inevitably each time and think, damn, they've got me again. There are people who just assume that because you're called Oliver, they can call you Ollie. Uh, and I, th I think it's quite well meant. They think they're uh, being familiar and that, that being familiar is, uh, is something that will be welcome. Well, of course, I, I don't welcome anybody being familiar with me without being invited. So I will tell them. So if anybody says Ollie inadvertently, I will interrupt them and say, actually, I really don't like being called Oliver. That's all. God. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't let me do that. Right, okay. I'll, I'll interrupt and I'll say, actually, I really don't like being called Ollie, so... I hope you don't mind. I don't want to be offensive in, in any way, but can you just please remember, don't call me Ollie. I hate it. It's extremely rare for anybody to call me uh, Ollie and uh, unknown for anybody to do it twice. What, what do you call me, Richard or Rich? I've always called you Richard. I suppose that's because of what you were in yeah. the regist register. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so it's you, my mum and... Yeah, just a very few people then that call me Richard. Authority figures. Well, yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah, you could put it like that, I suppose. Not I if mean, my, not not if my sister calls me Richard anymore, and my yeah, my my niece and nephew call me Rich as well. It's... But you see, if you want to identify with my situation, how would you deal with anybody that comes up and says, uh, "Oh, hello, Ricky, mate." You you wouldn't like me called Ricky, would you? I wouldn't mind. I mean, I get, I mean, I get called Richie a lot. A lot of people call me Richie. Richie, uh, as in Blackmore. Yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's nothing to do with Richie Blackmore. I don't I, think you're I, telling I, the truth. I've never heard anybody call you Richie. Yeah, yeah. There's lots, really? Lots, yeah, lots of people call me Richie. Richie, Richie. It sounds like they're talking to a toddler or something. Yeah, Richie is a, Richie's a good name. I mean, I quite like Richie. So yeah, Rich. Well, they can't call you. They can't call you Rich because you're not. But um, ba boom. But, Rica uh, Ric Ricardo as well. I get called Ricardo a lot. But I, yeah, I call you Ricardo. I admit. Yeah, Richard is. Um, yeah, Richard isn't. Yeah, that. Yeah, is yes. Mainly, it is authority figures. Let's just go with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. uh, you uh, you reminded me the other day about our uh, little diminutive but delightful chef friend called uh, Jamie Yeoman. Jamie Yeoman, who was Jamie Yeoman at school, and so so Jamie Yeoman was Jamie Yeoman all the way through school, and then when after school he 
he became older, strangely enough, like people do. And <laughs> he matured. He, he matured. And part of that maturity is going from Jamie. He completely missed out James, by all account, and just went straight to Jim. And so when he was running the Willow, the pub, the Willow, and cooking mm. phenomenal food there, um, everybody just knew him as Jim. So I hadn't seen him for years. And you'd go in the pub and order your five pound sandwich and chips deal at lunchtime and call him Jim. And everybody called him Jim. And to this day, I still find it kind of a bit, a bit kind of confusing. But the thing that then really tipped me over the edge on that one was then you told me, and I can't remember what his real name is, but you told me, None of that is his real name. He's not James, Jamie, or Jim. He is... He is a Trevor. Trevor. Trevor Yeoman. But, you know, I, I, see, that was the opposite of what I said a minute ago, that I would call him Jamie because I, I feel it's affectionate. It's a very nice, soft name, isn't it, Jamie? Whereas Jim, yeah. Jim's a two a penny, with all respect. I mean, I, you know, I know probably about 20 different Jims. And, you know, if you said to me... Oh, I saw Jim today. Well, just in the Winchester area, it could be about eight different people. Um, yeah, but if, if I said that, you would know who that I meant James Knights. Not necessarily. It could be Jim Plowman, my next door neighbour. It could oh, be Jim, Jim Yeoman. Yes, no, but Jim, Jim, your next door neighbour is early evening Jim. So we're going to get, <laughs> get onto the subject of pub nicknames now. He's early evening Jim. Oh, is so, he? <laughs> yeah, in my phone, in my phone, he's, he, there's not even any Jim. It's just early evening. So, so that's early, and so like John and John is late night John. He's early evening Jim. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, he, to me, he would be a late evening Jim because I only ever see, see him after he comes home from the pub. So, ah, yeah, yeah. You get middle evening Jim in that case, I would think. But Jim and James and Jim, going back to James Knights, I was in a restaurant in Berlin, and it was they a dump dumplings. What are dumplings in German? They've got uh, oh yes, kleiner uh, Moment, Gulasch mit Kartoffeln und Klöße, Klößchen, Klößchen. Yeah, mm. is that what it is? It yeah, a very, very, very nice place. But I was there with some people that do know Jim's Jet James. I was there with people who do know James slash Jim. <laughs> but yes. I was also there with people who know only know of James slash Jim. And when I was telling kind of nights and music related stories i was i was using both and everybody was getting very confused and there were people like oh so so this nights band it has it has two singers it has james and jim and i'm like i'm saying no 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 they're they're the same they're the same person they're going but they're not two people i was going no boytronic james is in boytronic that are you, are you talking about that there's james and holger in boytronic and they're going no, Boytronic is Boytronic is Jim or James. I was going, well, it's Jim and James and Holger. There's three people, three lead singers in Boytronic and two in Knights. And I was going, no, no, there's one in, and it's very confusing. And you, you know, it's one of those language things that you you forget that you know you're so used to a James and a Jim being the same person that you forget that no matter how brilliant somebody's English is as a second language, doesn't necessarily mean that they get those subtleties and why why would they why, I mean, it's why like, would they like in spain as well like people you know every francisco is uh, a paco and every jose luis is a pepe and yes and of course you, you yeah. think you've met like various different people but you've actually only met two it's, <laughs> it's totally totally bizarre but yeah i'm sure if i ever yeah if i ever say i actually don't know that yeah uh, yeah because to me early evening jim is early evening he's not jim he's an early evening 
Well, before we leave the subject of famous people from Winchester and uh, people who might or might not be called D, it, ca it came into my mind that, of course, we missed the most obvious uh, of all, which was, of course, Simon D. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, in case uh, anybody doesn't know Simon D, it's the most extraordinary story that he was um, the biggest TV star in the land. He was the equivalent of Jonathan Ross. His mm. programme, D Time was on the BBC and it got viewed by millions and millions of people every uh, every week. And he had the biggest stars. He had royalty, he had politicians, he had, you know, people like Dean Martin and Bob Hope and literally the biggest stars of the world clamouring to get on his show. And he, he was a, a very cool, he was an ex-pirate radio DJ who just was in the right place at the right time. He drove around in a, in a, in a little sort of uh, sparkling mini with dolly birds hanging out the back and um, was phenomenally successful. And then he disappeared. And, uh, and if you then move forward about how many years, maybe about pushing 40 years, uh, I became aware that he was living in Hyde in, in, in a back street in winchester in a little two up two down and had become shall we say extremely eccentric um he had quite right-wing political views and he walked around in a dog tooth jacket and he spent a lot of time this is when i was also visiting sarsen press the printer in hyde street quite a lot hmm. he would spend a lot of time in there with his old copies of um teenage girls magazines with his photo in photo oh God, I think, yeah, I think yeah no 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 it's not no no not not one not one of those again uh no he would be photocopying these pages which had pin-up pictures of him um and we never quite understood why he was doing that unless i presume he was keeping a scrapbook or or maybe people would ask him for autographs or something i don't know but uh, they, somebody did write a biography of him, and it's very interesting. I, I think what happened, if I know what happened, was he literally just got above his station, and he the BBC weren't willing to pay him as much as he thought he should be paid. So he dumped them and went to ITV. And then a bit like, do you remember with Morecambe and Wise, it didn't work too well. It, it, whatever he did on ITV just didn't have the same resonance. And there were things about his character that annoyed people and word got round that he wasn't a good person to work with and then his career just went into free fall he's not the um he's not the he wasn't the presenter the host of the television show that the then one film only george lazenby james bond went on and and lazenby was under the influence of <laughs> something quite substantial and started talking about the kennedy assassination I'm and that that was kind know. of that was the end of Lazenby's career, oh, and I've gosh. got a feeling that it might, you know, it might be one of those situations where it's what's the phrase they use where you you know you fail to control your you oh. fail to control your guest that kind of thing. I might it, I might be completely wrong on that, but well, I mean, it would be I, worth googling, wouldn't it? Because uh, and then we can report back in the next episode as <laughs> whether that's true or not. Yeah, I know I know Lazenby did do that. And for some reason in my head, it sounds likely that it would have been on, what was his name? Jack D. Simon Jack, no, D. Simon D, not Jack, Jack James. Oh, D. here we go D. again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was yeah. the James Dean show. Yeah. Simon, <laughs> the Simon D. But Simon D had a comeback in, 
like a little while ago, didn't it? It, it was an attempted comeback. It was about oh, probably about fifteen years ago now. They 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 did a one off yeah. of of recreating the show, and I think they had a few sort of stars from the sixties as guests. And I didn't actually see it, but by all accounts, the reviews said it was just an absolute catastrophe, and it literally was a one off. I think he might have hoped that the that a series would come out of it. But uh, yeah, it's just, I, to be honest with you, I felt it was a rather sad story, really. You know, it all it all was set up so brilliantly for a, for a wonderful long-term career. And, and apparently through his own kind of egotism, I think, um, he got kind of above himself and and uh, that was the end of his career. He, so he, he kind of went full partridge in a way, it sounds like. It just sounds very... <laughs> oh, God, it's like, if you look back and see any clips, it was complete and utter Alan Partridge. Yes, it was. And in fact, I'm sure that the, that character is, uh, is, is based upon Simon D, among, among others. And, it, and Simon D is, has passed now, yeah? Yeah, he passed away probably about eight or nine years ago now. Yes, I think he... I don't quite know what it was. He had some kind of cancer or something. It was very sad. His wife came and worked at our school for a while, actually. Really? Uh, I mean, well, his, his, I don't know how many wives he had. He had several, but his, his latest wife. And she was a supply teacher. And, uh, oh, what I forgot to tell you, of course, the vital thing about the entire conversation is that his name, you won't be surprised to hear, is not Simon D. Oh, what's his name? His Trevor, n- <laughs> Trevor Dean or something. Trevor Jim. No. No, his name is Nicholas Henty Dodd. Oh, of with, course, I did know that. What with a great name. Yes, I know. When you call Nicholas Henty Dodd, why on earth would you change your name to Simon D? Although that does sound very 60s, doesn't it, to be fair? Oh, yeah, it's totally swinging 60s, isn't it? Whereas, yeah, the other one, Henty Dodd. Where, I mean, where does Henty Dodd come from? <sighs> I cannot tell you. I presumably a Mrs. Henty married a Mr. Dodd or vice versa, and that's, that's how it ended up. But... Um, Yes, and so when this lady turned up uh, and was introduced to me, I, I remember sort of being quite starstruck because uh, I thought, "Oh God, this must be Mrs. Simon D." Uh, yes, you know, Miss 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 uh, Mrs. Henty Dodd will be uh, joining your class today, and actually, and she said, "Hello, Ollie, how are you?" Uh, <laughs> Kapow, and she left with a black eye. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, no, the the answer was uh, she didn't last very long. I don't think she. Uh, I don't know how to put it in the polite way, but I don't think she enjoyed the atmosphere of a secondary school, and uh, I think she came twice, and that was the end of that. But but she did confirm that she was Simon D's wife. There we go. Oh. Now the other thing is, uh, you mentioned the other day that you knew somebody that connected Winchester College and the Wickhamists with the city of Berlin. Oh, yes, yes, Robert, a um, guy called Robert Farrar, who I didn't... Um, oh, where do I start with this one? How is Farrar spelled? Is it the same as J. Farrar? Yeah, J... Um, J. J. Yeah, J. Yes, but exactly the same. J-A-Y. Um, yes, actually, Robert's real name is Jim Jamie... Trevor J. Robert <laughs> Farrar. Uh, with a hyphen. With a hyphen, yeah, Henty, yeah, Farrar, Henty Dodd. Uh, um, Robert was, um, yeah, Robert went to Winchester College in, I think, the 70s, late 70s, moved to Berlin years and years ago, and then via um, via Nina, who plays in Jim's band, James Knight's band, this, this episode's just going to be like... a, a a, a name minefield isn't it <laughs> keep uh, going yeah um 
Nina, who plays in James's band, she got asked to do this gig with Robert because Robert and his husband, Achim, they've got this, um, they're called Farrar Kramer Comedy and they're like a kind of comedy theatre group. And one of the things that they do is this sort of like trashy pop camp cabaret drag thing called the Chi Chi's show. And so Nina got roped in to do the, well, not roped, she got asked to do the Chi Chi's show and play bass and sing for them and do other stuff. And it was meant to be this gig at this um, pub called the um, Stammtisch. And Nina got a few other people involved, me being one of them. So I went out there to do it. But the trouble was is that then the lockdown kind of kicked in. And so rather than rather than actually doing the gig in the pub, they ended up filming it and putting it out on YouTube over like three kind of episodes. But what I didn't know when until I got there was that yeah, Robert went to Winchester College. So yeah, he's a, he's a Wickhamist and I'm a Wintonian. And going back to nicknames, going back to Rich, Richie or whatever, <laughs> they gave me the uh, the very honourable sounding nickname Richard of Winchester, which is a wonderful a wonderful nickname, I think. Sir Richard of Winchester. Yeah, I think it, it has a good uh, has a good kind of ring. Oh, Saint, there. maybe Saint Richard of Winchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. You know, I yeah, got... so that's a that's a a, a good um, yeah, that's a, a weird a weird Berlin Winchester connection that I didn't expect at all. I got tre- tremendously excited because uh, when you first uh, mentioned that you 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 were uh, working with a a German singer called. Nina, and uh, I know that your German pronunciation isn't always totally reliable, so I thought, Christ, Nina, 99 Luftballons, with the glued-on leather trousers, who, to this day, I saw her on TV the other night, because we have German TV in this household, and I tell you what, she's 60, in fact, she's just turned 60, she still looks about 16 or 18, what a woman, and so I thought, Christ, because... We've got to explain to anybody listening, there's something that they won't have comprehended. And there's our friend James that we keep talking about mm-hmm. um, has done this extraordinary thing um, for someone who comes from Winchester. And he's joined uh, a band that used to be teenage pop pinups doing synthy yeah. pop, a bit like the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, the Pet Shop um, Boys of Germany, yeah. Called, frankly, appalling name of Boytronic. <laughs> I mean, really, especially as, you know, the, the main guy, Holger, I think the only remaining one uh, is, uh, what, it must be about 60, is he? It was his, um, yeah, I think it might have been. It might have been his 60th birthday uh, when they did the kind of like the big comeback show, which was James and Holger and Justin on guitar, and uh, that was that was kind of Holger's first sort of like proper Boytronic gig back, doing the new stuff and the old stuff. And uh, I think that was his 60th birthday, to be honest. But there's something very charming about it, isn't it, that our, our, our mate Jim should end up yeah. uh, being the co-lead singer of really rather yeah. a big German band that will go out and play, you know, what, about thousand-seater venues probably, something like that? Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. they play in. They play in Japan and Scandinavia and this, that, and the other. I, I thought it was absolutely delightful. Yeah, I mean, I'd never, never heard of them until Jim got involved in them. But they've got some really, like, really good pop tunes, and, yeah. and Holger's got a really, 
don't know, I don't know if the word plaintive is the right word, but he's got this really, yeah, sort of like soft sort of vocal style. Yeah, and, I like it. And it really works up against the kind of high energy Euro pop that is the, um, that is the music. And then now you've got like James up there as sort of ringleader as well. <laughs> yes, because he, he does some of the business side as well, doesn't he? But that gig, actually, that gig in Berlin that they played, I got to fulfill an ambition, um, which was being a guitar tech. Like, oh. I've obviously, like done loads and loads of gigs and played guitar for lots of different people, but I've never been a guitar tech. And Justin, who plays a bit of keyboards and plays some like drums and plays guitar on about four tracks. He was really worried about, he put new strings on. He was really worried about his guitar slipping out of strings. So I actually didn't see any of the show because I was like hid behind a curtain stage, right with a guitar tuner and Justin's guitar and a set list. And I just had to keep tuning Justin's guitar and look down the set list and go, right song number four and then run on stage and hand the guitar to justin oh i've and always then, wanted to then, do that i know it was really it was really good fun fantastic but at the same time it, it's it, you know it's I, I talk about that boytronic gig as if i was there and as if i saw it but i actually didn't because i was stuck behind a curtain next to a load of chairs <laughs> being a bit cramped it's yeah, quite a responsibility though but uh, you know it was it pressure. was no it was it was more nerve-wracking than actually playing the gig that's yes, what, that's it. Would have been it. Would have been less nerve wracking if I had played the gig for myself, it, because it was just that thing where I don't know. I have this all the time where like, I'll open up the computer and I have to like make a website or something for somebody, and I always have the feeling, God, what if today's the day where I've just completely forgotten like how to use all the software that I know how to use? Oh, Luckily, that's the sort of thing you have dreams about, isn't it? Exactly. You have dreams like that. I do anxiety dreams all the no. time where you've completely forgotten some vital element of life. No, but but I did have it then. I was sitting backstage, and even though I had a tuner, you know, I'd be like hoiking the B string up to a B, and it would say B, and I was, and then because I couldn't hear anything, I'd be going, God, but what if that's an octave below? <laughs> Or yes. maybe it's an octave above, and it's it's just going to snap. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a nerve wracking experience, but a mean, good. But it was um yeah, it was uh, it was good fun. It sure. brings back bad memories for me because back in the days when I was trogging around the country trying to manage an in inverted commas this band, and uh, I got that job, but literally I only held on to it for about three gigs because I, I I I would be handed a guitar. Very often the string had actually broken. Mm. And back in those days, there were no such thing as these little devices. Now you, you sort of stick them on the neck of the guitar and it sort of flashing lights tell you whether you're in tune or not. There was nothing like that. So mm. I would have to hold this electric guitar up to my ear and try and, and put the string on and tune it correctly and hand it back after the next number while being completely deafened by the band carrying on on stage with the second guitar being used. So, of course, invariably, when I handed it back, it was completely... <laughs> And utterly out of tune. And, I mean, this is, uh, sorry, this yeah. but, butting in. I mean, mm. this is one thing that fascinates me that you're for all your love of music and especially guitar music that you're not uh, you're not a guitarist for want of a better phrase. I know you could reach over now and pick up a guitar and probably knock out a few chords, but like, why why were you not? You know, why when you after seeing the Hollies in nineteen sixty four, why did you not go out and buy a guitar? and learn how to play stay then 
well, my parents wouldn't have allowed it for a start. No, I, wasn't I, suppose, e yeah. I wasn't even allowed to listen to, to, to those records. I had to listen to them in secret because uh, they, they disapproved of uh, this newfangled pop music. You had to get the Braille versions. Yeah. Them that way. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's one of those things. And uh, maybe we will take the opportunity now to, to talk about something that cropped up um, uh, many years uh, later, but uh, I just do not have any talent or ability, and I have, and I, and I don't have the dex dexterity in particular. My fingers and uh, won't stay where I want them to go on the fretboard, and I certainly couldn't pick anything out. But my guitar playing career. You shouldn't have started me on this because uh, it, it might be quite a long story. But uh, w when I went to Germany to teach, I, I had got from my exchange partner when when I was uh, at a school in uh, in on the East German border as a as a sixteen year old. Uh, he had an acoustic guitar, and he taught me three chords. I can't even tell you what they are. I think one of them was G. And one of them, I remember there was an E and, and then one that, that is the most common of all of them, which is C and also F. Neither of them have I ever been able to do. Uh -huh. um, but with the G and the E and something else, which I can't remember, maybe E flat or something, you can play huge amounts of tunes, particularly uh, folk tunes. And um, so... I bought a book of uh, English and American folk ballads, mm -hmm. and I learned to play pretty much all of them. It was a Danish book, actually. I've still got it. It's really useful. Uh, and that stood me in brilliant stead throughout my teaching career because I was able to play guitar while the pupils sang something or other, or I would sing and the pupils would join in. So very good for teaching English, extremely good for teaching German and French when I was working back over here. Did so this book have Meinhut Erhard Dreiecken in it? Uh, it didn't because it was English and American folk songs, oh, Richard. That's a shame. But Meinhut Erhard Dreiecken was a song that I taught you, and I see I taught it you very well. Uh, in a minute, I'll ask you if you can remember the melody. Actually, that was one. That was one that didn't have a guitar accompaniment because probably it would have had too many chords. Anyway, so uh, for many years, I thought that I was a guitarist, and people thought of me as a guitarist. Um, I was always that long-haired bloke with, who was always plunking his guitar in in, in lessons. Uh, but it wasn't until. Uh, I started taking more of an interest in, you know, I think bands came along like REM, which made me sort of listen to music, it wasn't necessarily just rock music, and realised that I would love to play properly. Yeah. And that was when I consulted you. And for a period of, hmm. I think, probably getting on for three years, <clears throat> I would come round to your parents' house. Uh, I think it was Tuesdays. I'm pretty certain it was every Tuesday at about something like, four o'clock three thirty four yeah and you would painstakingly and with immense patience <laughs> try and get any decent guitar sounds out of me and 
I just had to, it's a bit like golf. I've done the same with golf. I've tried and tried and tried and it's just totally hopeless. And I'm sorry, sad about it because as you say, everybody, because the little village where I live, I'm known as that music bloke. Yeah. And so, you know, if I go to a, the pub or something and then suddenly news introduced after I've told them I'll punch their lights out if they call me Ollie, they invariably say, oh, yes, well, you're a musician, aren't you? And I say, no, I'm not. I'm not I'm Ollie not, and I'm not a musician. <laughs> because I am not a musician is why I'm a promoter or, um, you know, a gig organiser. Hmm. Because I want all my life I've been desperate to be involved in the scene, you know, anything to do with bands and loud music and just generally sort of down at heel greasy venues and things like that i've always adored that and i would love so much to be able to go up on stage and 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 be someone like peter buck or whatever you know but it cannot happen because i just do not have the ability so i'm sure anybody can identify with this is like you know most kids would probably love to become a footballer yeah. but they can't you know yeah. what i mean yeah so that makes sense. Uh, yeah but then you, those lessons, you chose some pretty tricky ones. I mean, there was some easy ones in there. Like, well, you said REM, so the one I love. Yeah, I, we learned to play that, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Stay by the Hollies. Y yes, I, I think maybe you, didn't you play that and I sang it? I'm not sure, but. Uh... Oh, but, but you but you did try it. And then there was that, oh, what was that Andy Featherwear? Wide-eyed and legless? Did we do wide-eyed and legless? Yeah, you wanted wow. to learn that, which is a tricky one. Oh, it's a you, great song. You wanted to learn, oh, early Pete Green Fleetwood, Need Your Love So Bad? Yes, probably. That was when I was trying to, you know, I'd love to have been a lead guitarist. In order to play uh, uh, um, lead lines like that, it, it was actually, mm. th that was one where you didn't need to play fast because it's a very slow song and it's all just a matter of accents and things, isn't it? Yeah, but even the even the, even the the chord part of that is tricky. I mean, well, I mean, it's got a diminished chord in it, which isn't like that normal. Um, but then you, you said about me playing and you singing, so... Even though you didn't play, you have got up and done it because, well, going back to Naina and 99 Red Balloons, you and I have done a cover version of that on stage, which is a... Have a, we? Yeah, don't you remember? And Lucy was, it was big, it's birthday party, and Lucy was chucking Red Balloons into the audience. Oh, God, yes, that was amazing, wasn't I'm it? I'm behind you going, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, you were, yeah, you were knocking it out of the park. And was I, I was, singing the Nina lines then? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was impressing, right. impressing Big, it's family with my... um with my my brilliant german by oh. asking, asking them why, which way to the castle no, <laughs> no, no matter what they wanted to know or what they wanted to hear have you yeah, found that, so that was a that was a good one um yes i'm going to sing it now just just because i can no 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 Luftballons, fliegen weg zum horizont oh no i can't remember anymore but i near thought of nina is making me swoon actually but uh, yes, oh my goodness me. All right, so uh, yes, so I have been on stage with you on a couple of occasions, haven't I? Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't think I've ever picked up a guitar on those occasions. No, I don't think Apart so. from the school assembly that we mentioned about uh, about six episodes ago when uh, when uh, Abs was on keyboards and y you were playing guitar, but I also played guitar. There's a picture of me doing so. yeah. Yeah, no, I can't remember. I can't remember you playing guitar and anything that we've done. But we've done a few parish hall gigs. Yes, mainly birthdays, aren't they? In fact, in probably entirely birthdays. We did sing. We did sing with the one I love, and mm. we did sing 
We've definitely uh, done Stay by the Stay, Hollies. yes. And uh, we also did the theme tune to our podcast, which is called Don't Ask Me. Oh, yeah. Well, we should mention that now because hopefully by now somebody's written in and said, you know, what's that phenomenal <laughs> piece of music at the beginning? Where, where can we get it? Yeah, where can say, you get it? Or better say, where can we purchase it? Is it is it just that version that's on? No, you must have a CD of it. So what, if you've got a CD we need, of it, then you can... <laughs> what we need to do is put it on Spotify and then at the end of the year collect our naught point naught 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 one of a P royalties. Yeah, that's true. Or you, I mean, well, you can collect them as publisher. But that was we, a good that was a good band. We could talk about uh, about that right now because uh, we're jumping around in the chronological terms, but it doesn't matter, does it? Um, toss, no. No. What year would it have been, Rich? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I was living no. in Wolf Hill. Um, yeah, we'll have to talk about it. We'll have to have an episode about all the different places you've lived in Winchester as well. Because oh, uh, No. Um, <laughs> 90, I'd say 97, 98 maybe. Okay. Well, we, we could... Uh, pin it down if anybody knows the date of issue of um, PJ Harvey album <clears throat> that that starts with uh, Down by the Water because uh, she just finished recording that album in oh, that yeah, studio. Wait, was that in the same studio? It was in the same studio. Ah. Uh, and, then, and in that week's Melody Maker there were uh, there were uh, uh, pictures of her uh, sitting on this leather sofa that was in the foyer of the studio in Yeovil, where yeah. she'd recorded that record. And we sat on that same sofa mm-hmm. uh, in between doing our recordings. It was on a trading estate on the outskirts of Yeovil. Yeah. And uh, I just remember it, it, it would have been less so for you, but for me it was incredibly intense because I... For some reason, and I, when I think back on it now, I have got no idea what the reason was, but I suddenly decided I wanted to write and record some songs. Hmm. And I had two people in my life that could help me with that. And one of them was John Parrish, who we've mentioned before. And yeah. he, he owed me the odd favour for things that I'd done to help him out with stuff. Mm. And then there was you, uh, and you owe me the odd favour for things that I'd done to help you out. And also, both mm. of you just wanted to have a bit of a laugh, I suppose. Yeah. Also, it might have coincided when the business was going all right, my publishing business, so I might have had some money to spare to hire this rather good studio. Mm. So in we went. And, jeez, uh, I, I remember it being incredibly challenging and now I look back on it, and I look back, and I'll ask you your opinion in a minute because uh, you know you can be more objective. I look back on it with a mixture of pride and shame because the fact that we did it, and the fact that the recording quality is so high, and the fact that I had gone from an idea and it actually had come out sounding pretty good. Those were all the positives. The negatives were that the songs just weren't good and my voice wasn't good. And the lyrics, I've always had a real thing about lyrics. The lyrics were just cringeworthy. And so it was this weird mixture of very good stuff and really pretty poor stuff. So I can't say that I regret it, but I also can't say that I feel that it was a triumph. <laughs> Yeah, but the you know the the mm. creative part of that is 
you know, you got it done. So, which, which is such a massive percentage of of what anybody's kind of trying to achieve. I'm not explaining that very well. But, you know, your doubts about it now, looking back about the lyrics and, and the vocals, but my, my God, you did it. You, you know, you, you went down there and you did it, which is, which so many people just wouldn't do. So that's something to be, that's something to be proud about, to be chuffed about. And I think, I mean, I think they're good. I mean, as we're saying, don't ask me the name of this podcast. And that's the name of the tune that's at the beginning and the end of every episode of this podcast and that's i guess the lead tune out of the four that we did yes um and that's a that's a it's a it's a cracker it's a good kind of power pop song um please don't be mean is good and i mean it was i was saying I mean, don't ask me would be good if it was recorded by somebody else i could imagine you know, without being too ludicrous, a band like The Who or The Kinks or somebody could probably make a good a good shot at that little song because it's it's just a little catchy tune and it's inconsequential, um, but it's got something about it. The it other songs, yeah, the other songs, I'm afraid I was doing that classic sort of, oh God, bedroom poet thing of trying to write stuff that had some import and... And then you realise when you listen to it, it, it has no import whatsoever. It's just sort of a bit sort of self-pitying, whinging, basically. <laughs> but it's, uh, but well, sonically, it's... it's really sonically, great. it's fantastic. Well, I mean, for goodness sake, I've got on there, I've got one of the UK's top best-known producers playing drums, bass, and <laughs> quite a lot of guitar. And with the greatest uh, honour to yourself, one of my favourite guitarists of all time, which is Mr... Richie Williams um, <laughs> playing all the guitar tracks and they are absolutely storming. So, um, yeah, as, as I say, I, I, if I listen to them, which is, to be frank, very seldom, but if I listen to them, I listen to them for the for the guitar solos. There's a one guitar solo, uh, which is just an absolute thing of beauty. You know, uh, you know the, the, Tony Hicks, my original famous favourite yeah. guitarist from the Hollies, he was a master of the snappy little, very brief, concise, uh, tasteful little solo that fits the song exactly, as is um, um, Glenn Tilbrook of Squeeze will do the same thing. Uh, or is it the other one? I can never remember. The other Squeeze guy. Uh, it's it, the, the one with the guitar solo on the fade-out is Please Don't Be Mean. No, nah, yeah, but that's not the one. It's... it's uh, oh, really? do 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 you could go on forever. <laughs> got to come out someday. Yeah, got to come yeah. out someday. Which, yeah, it's got it's got a lot of potential, but again, you know, the, the lyrics aren't right. But I will listen to that specifically in order to hear your small but perfectly formed little solo that uh, that twiddles around around about sort of two thirds of the way through it, and then. Uh, towards the end, you start doing some major wigging out, and some uh, some nice effects, and uh, it's uh, yeah, that one's all right. That, that whole period, without getting muso about it, mm. but I was listening to so much Richard Thompson then, and that's why on that track that you just mentioned, why there is that kind of guitar sound. Mm. I was playing some sort of strat copy. So that's why the guitar sound is quite kind of clean. 
and on the solo the solo on the fade out of please don't be mean that was done as a nod to um oh what's the track why must i plead oh god by thompson because somewhere there's a tape where you know that the solo at the end of that that thompson plays is just one of the most magnificent magnificent things in the world and it fades out and somewhere on a tape that just goes on and on and yes. on. And I remember at the time we were like saying, oh, well, we can just, just fade this out. If it's if Thompson can do it, then I'm sure we can do it. Yes, that's right, because it sounds as though it's sort of just in the middle of doing its business. And yet yeah. and it, it, it waves goodbye halfway through, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember when we were absolutely nuts about Richard Thompson. It was the height of his, his electric period when he was on a major label, wasn't he? And he was working with big name producers and... Uh, his electric guitar playing was allowed to sort of just run rampant. And uh, he used to record these long, lengthy tracks. I remember we once sat outside the Light of Bengal in, in my car for about an hour just listening to the Thompson tracks again and again and again. Is that box set? That, yes. That three CD box set with all those outtakes and the, all the live stuff. Like, oh, live, <laughs> live version of Can't Win. That begin, oh, oh just, don't. Just don't. It's, yeah. Yes, I, I admire him more than uh, practically anybody I can imagine. So anyway, Richard, can you just put this in the context? When you were teaching me uh, guitar, where was that in relation to the band Trip? Was that before, during or after? After Trip. I said that very in a very blank way, didn't I? After Trip, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, I, don't know, I don't know musically what I was... I don't think I was doing the cage then. Maybe I was. I wasn't doing. Maybe I wasn't doing anything then, apart from just writing songs and. Well, let's time. Stuff. Let's talk about the story of Trip because uh, I absolutely intrigued by that whole episode, and there's so much to tell, and I think it should be interesting to talk that through. Should we do that? It's going to be a bumper episode. <laughs> 